certainly is a wonderful blessing to be here tonight at Little Union. We're so thankful for the wonderful preaching that's gone on before, the humble prayer that was prayed, and the songs of praise that were sang unto the Lord. And we're most of all thankful that the Lord uh, has already been in our midst in this service, and we thank him so much. Uh, love you all very much. It's wonderful uh, to be back here. Love Brother Ronald very much, and so thankful for his ministry and the blessing he's been to me. And we love your dear pastor and his family, and so thankful to the Lord for them. And do ask an interest in your prayers, realizing that the gospel's not going to be preached uh, throughout the rest of this service. It's already been preached, but throughout the rest of this service, if the Lord doesn't continue to be with us. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, to what I trust is a very familiar portion of Scripture. I'd like to look at verse 13. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. The Lord Jesus has preached what's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Bible tells us that when he was set, his disciples came unto him. So this is a sermon to the disciples of the Lord Jesus. This is a sermon to followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth. He didn't say ye might be. He didn't say you one day will be. He said ye are the salt of the earth. Question, how are they, how are we the salt of the earth? Well, it's not anything we've done. It's what the Lord did for us. And I believe when the Lord borned us again by his precious Holy Spirit, he made us salty. He put in us the characteristics of salt. If you look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, we see what the ninefold fruit of the Spirit is. In a sense, that's what I believe the Lord put within us in the new birth that made us the salt of the earth. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Question, are those things useful to the world? Would those things the Lord's put within us benefit others? You know, one of the main things, just from a very practical standpoint about salt, is salt is extremely useful. Some people have said there's some 14,000 uses of salt. 
You know, one of the lies that Satan likes to tell us is we're not useful. That what we do does not matter, our labors don't matter, and we're of no use. That's what the devil tries to tell us. Sometimes that can get in our head. Sometimes the youngest among us may think, well, I'm too little. I'm just of no use. Sometimes the oldest among us may think, I don't have much strength anymore, physical strength. I'm just of no use. But you know, the salt of the earth, we as born-again children of God are always, always useful. When the Lord, when the Apostle Paul would write unto the church at Corinth and he'd teach that great doctrine of, of the resurrection of the last day and of the, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he would end some of those comments with your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We are useful in the kingdom of God. The devil may have tried to trick us tonight and say there's no use going out to Little Union Primitive Baptist Church tonight. It's of no value. It's of no use. But God Almighty says your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Salt is useful and ye are the salt of the earth. Salt's useful. Salt, as we look in the scripture, salt is used oftentimes in sacrifice. If you look in Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 13, you'll see in one verse where the word salt is mentioned three times in just one verse. Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 13 says, And every oblation, the word oblation simply means sacrifice. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering." With all thine offerings, thou shalt offer salt. Now he really drives the importance of salt being a necessary part of a sacrifice. And I'm going to tell you as we look at what the Bible has to say about salt and of the Lord Jesus telling us is, his followers and his born-again children of God, that we are the salt of the earth. Jesus is the ultimate example of salt. And his sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary was the ultimate sacrifice of salt. It was the sacrifice that, that all other sacrifices pointed to. That verse also mentions a, the salt of the covenant of thy God. Now, Brother Ronald mentioned the covenant of grace. 
that was made between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit before the world ever began, before God ever said, let there be light. God loved a people and God made a covenant to give that people to his son and it was a covenant of salt that one day the Lord Jesus would come and would suffer and bleed and die in a sacrifice of salt upon the cross of Calvary. So the salt of the covenant is made up in all that Jesus did for us. It was a sacrifice of salt. It was seasoned with salt. You know, and that's one of the great things salt does. It's a seasoning. It makes things taste better. You know, when I was a little boy, Mama would salt our food while she cooked it. So there would not be a salt shaker on the table when I was a little boy. So I didn't realize how much salt made food taste good as a little boy. Because Mama had already salted it. One day, though, we were, me and my brothers decided to go camping out in a tent back on some property behind Mama's and Daddy's old home place. We were going to cook some ground meat and some potatoes on the campfire. That would like, to a little boy's mind, that would make the food taste way better if it was on a campfire than just on an oven at home. And I put those potatoes and that ground meat in my mouth, and it had zero taste. And I looked as a little boy at my older brother, who was supposed to know more than me, and I said, why doesn't this have any taste? It was, it was cooked on a campfire. He said, I forgot the salt. I realized then for the first time as a little boy how much salt, the seasoning of salt, Improve the taste of food. And I'm going to tell you, walking in this old world with all the trials and the tribulations of life, with all the, the evil wickedness that we see around, walking in this world is tough, but I'll tell you, it tastes a lot better when I'm with the salt of the earth. I can handle the trials and tribulations of life much better and keep putting one foot in front of the other when I'm with the salt of the earth, the born again, children of God, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You make this old world and living in this old world taste better to me. Not that the world tastes better, but getting through it tastes better when I'm with the people of God. What a blessing it is. You know, one other thing about salt is salt sticks together. How many times have you ever just seen one kernel of salt laying somewhere all by itself? Do we see that? How do we see salt? We see salt generally in a shaker, and that's with a bunch of other salt. <laughs> and I'll tell you, that's where I want to be found with the salt of the earth. I don't want to be one kernel of salt all by itself melting away. I want to be with the people of God. I want to be with the salt and the salt shaker. I want to be together with you. Salt in the Bible is sometimes viewed as an agent of healing. And that's true in the 
the physical world today, salt water, has been used and is still used to help in the healing of wounds because it helps kill the bacteria that could form in a wound. Salt water has been used for centuries to help in healing. In 2 Kings chapter 2, we'll see where Elisha has come to a city. It's the city of Jericho. And in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 19, it said, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord seeth, but the water is naught and the ground barren. Much like the way Brother Ronald described Moab. And he said, bring me a cruise and put salt therein. They brought it to him. And he went forth into the spring of the waters and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. The salt healed. How many times have I come to the house of the Lord feeling wounded by the world? Feeling injured and, and wounded and beaten up by the world. But yet when I was with the salt of the earth. Most chiefly my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But with the people of God. With the salt of God. With the born again children of God. Some healing took place for me. And I felt a lot better. Than when I first came into the house of God. Ye are. The salt of the earth. Salt is oftentimes used as a preservative. Back in days before refrigeration, salt was put on meat so that without the salt, the meat would rot. I don't want to eat rotten meat. <laughs> what about y'all? But with the salt, it would be preserved. Something that would have rotted will not rot because of the salt. You know, we look at our nation today. It's changed so much in my relatively short lifetime. Things I would have never imagined happening in America or happening. But I take solace that despite all the evil and all the wickedness and all the the, the abominations unto the Lord and to his truth that we see in America, we still have so many people that are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and so many people that are the salt of the earth. 
The Lord would tell us in Chronicles, if my people, the salt, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. Ye are the salt of the earth. I'm going to tell you there's times when from a temporal standpoint, I could have been like that rotting meat going down the wrong path, headed nowhere good, headed down a path of destruction. But the salt of the earth, my brethren and sisters, that set a good example for me and that lifted me up and, and pointed me to the right path when I could have gone down the wrong one, when my life could have rotted away, it was preserved by the salt of the earth. We're eternally preserved by the greatest salt, the Lord Jesus Christ that ever lived. You know, one of the things that's the most difficult for us to show a salty behavior is with our mouth, with our words. Now, why do I say that? If you look at the Bible's description of the depravity of man, you'll see that the most vivid descriptions of depravity, a lot of the descriptions are centered around the mouth. Romans chapter 3 verse 10, it says, There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Begins to describe the mouth said, whose throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used to see the poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And then it shifts on to other parts of the body. But it shows if you're going to prove that a man's a sinner, or a woman, or a boy, or a girl, look at the mouth. The Bible gives us some admonition about watching our speech, watching what we say. Colossians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, Let your speech be always. This is not something we're supposed to do some of the time. This is not something we're supposed to do most of the time. This is something we're supposed to do all the time. Let your speech be always with grace. Now, where do we find grace within us? It's in that inward man. It's, when the, it's within that born-again heart that the Lord put within us in regeneration. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every 
man. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 to a companion verse for this. Verse 29 where it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know what that word corrupt means? It literally means rotten, putrefied. What does meat do without salt? It rots. It petrifies. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up. What's he saying? Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know what the Lord's really telling us in those two verses? Where does corrupt communication come from? It comes from our old Adam nature. And I'm going to tell you, wherever I go, that inward man goes with me. But you know what else goes with me? <laughs> the old Adam nature. And that old Adam nature's got to be beat down. When somebody talks rough to us, when somebody talks mean to us, when somebody's insulted us, that old Adam nature rises up. And that corrupt communication wants to come out of our mouth. But he tells us, don't do that. Beat down the flesh. You know, when Brother Ronald was talking about Gideon and those 300 men going against the host of the Midianites, they surrounded the camp of the Midianites in the middle watch of the night. They had trumpets in one hand. They had lamps within pitchers in one hand. And on the instruction of Gideon, they were to say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they were to blast on those 300 trumpets. And they were to break those clay vessels so the light would shine forth. That clay vessel is a picture of our flesh. The Lord Jesus, right where we were reading in Matthew 5, said, Let your light so shine. Very similar to us being salty, to showing the characteristics of salt is to let our light shine. The Lord's put a light within us, and that light's never going out. But that light can be blocked by the flesh. So we have to break the flesh for the light to shine forth. And I'll tell you, we've got to break the flesh to be salty, to show the characteristics of salt. Now, I'm going to tell you, that brings honor to the Lord. When somebody's talked mean to us and rough to us, and we respond with speech, grace, seasoned with salt, that not only gets the person's attention we're talking to, it gets everybody's attention all around. So there's something different about that person. People don't do that. People aren't talked to roughly and then respond with words of love. It gets folks' attention. Ye are the salt of the earth. One of the things salt does is salt makes you thirsty. Uh, thirst is one of the strongest uh, urges we can have. When you're thirsty, you'll do a whole lot of things to quench that thirst. Matter of fact, just talking about being thirsty <laughs> makes me want to drink some water. 
Oh. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'm going to tell you, you know what makes me thirst after righteousness more than I would have? Being around the salt of the earth. I want to be more righteous and I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness more when I'm with the people of God. It helps make us thirsty for the things we ought to be thirsty for. And that thirst is a strong desire. I don't know if y'all ever remember the commercial. It was a commercial for Coca-Cola and there was a bunch of people on the beach and it's a hot day and there's a concession stand in the middle of the beach and there's a microphone at the concession stand. And a guy just gets up there on that microphone, he opens a Coca-Cola, and you can hear it go, and then he just drinks that Coca-Cola, and you can hear it, glug, glug, glug. You know what the next thing you see is? All the beach in unison gets up and goes to the concession stand, get a Coca-Cola. Why? The urge for, of thirst is so strong that they had to go quench that thirst. Salt makes you thirsty for things we ought to be thirsty for, for the good things of God. You know, salt is a, is a precious thing. Salt has been highly valued throughout history. Uh, there have actually been wars fought over salt. It was viewed as so precious. Roman soldiers were actually paid in salt. The actual word salary comes from, I believe it's the Latin word, for salt. Salt is precious. Now I'm reminded of what the Lord would tell Jacob, who he also called Israel. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 4, where he says, Thou was precious in my sight. The salt of the earth is precious to the Lord. Don't ever let the devil tell you you're of no use. You are precious in his sight and you are useful in the kingdom of God. Don't ever let him tell you you don't have a use because you do. One of the uses of salt today is in salt domes. Uh, you can store gas natural gas and, and petroleum in places that would have hurt the things around it where it's stored, but for the salt dome. But the salt protects the environment from things that would have hurt it. And I've thought about my life, thought about my children's lives, thought about my family, I thought about my church family. How much have we been protected from because of our fellowship with the salt of the earth? How many times have I been kept from going the wrong way? How many times when something in this world would have hurt me, but because of my brethren and sisters in Christ, the salt of the earth, they protected me from that. What a blessing it is. There's one more important 
use of salt that I never really thought of that much until I did a science project. And I'm going to tell you, that was not my best subject. And it was particularly difficult for me when the science fair rolled around and you had to do science projects. My daughter is extremely artistic. She can draw and paint anything. I was one of those kids when they're trying to get you to trace the dotted line of Bill and Sue in first and second grade. I couldn't do that. My tracing over Bill was all over the place. So the science fair was particularly scary to me because you had to make a bunch of signs that people could read and they were supposed to be pretty. So the science fair always scared me. But there was one year I really got into my science project. And it was because the main theme of the project was making ice cream. <laughs> and I like ice cream, so I kind of got into that. But the science in the making of ice cream was that by adding salt to ice, you change the freezing point of the water. You see, you can put salt on ice and the ice will still be below freezing, but it'll melt. I thought, how many times have I come to the house of God frozen from the things of the world, feeling cold and empty and lonely from this old cold, dark world. And being around my brethren and sisters in Christ melted my heart. And I didn't stay frozen very long because the salt would melt the ice. Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the earth. And salt has many uses. How many times have I been encouraged by a little one that was singing at the top of their voice praises to my God. And it encouraged my heart and helped me keep on keeping on in the service of God. Where the salt of the earth, no matter how young they were, melted my heart. How many times have I seen one of the oldest of the dear old saints of God who had plenty of legitimate reasons maybe not to be in the house of God from a physical standpoint, but who wanted to be there so badly they mustered the strength because it meant the world of them to be in the house of God, to worship their Lord, their Savior, their Master, and their Redeemer, and to be with the salt of the earth, the saints of Almighty God, and to value the kingdom of God, to value Mount Zion, the city that is set on a hill. And they come to the house of God, and it melts my heart. And it takes away any excuses I may have to find a frivolous reason not to be where I ought to be. Ye are the salt of the earth. What a blessing 
Man, what the salt of the earth has been to me in my life. And I thank God for the salt of the earth. God bless you is my prayer.